When I was a teenager, middle school and high school, me and my friends used to go to the mall, Belden Village Mall to be specific, and there was this store in the Belden Village Mall that we used to like to play this little, little, little game with. Uh, anybody ever play the Disney Store game? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Disney Store game. Here's what we knew about the Disney Store. The Disney Store, why is that so difficult for me to say this? Disney Store, the Disney Store, the objective of the employees in the Disney Store was to not let there be a single person that they didn't greet or say hello to or ask if they could help in any way in their entire store. It was like almost annoying how quickly, as soon as you stepped in the door, somebody would be like, hello, welcome to the Disney store. It's so magical here. Can we help you find something? And you're like, no, leave me alone. I just like Aladdin and I want to be in peace, right? So we used to play this game. The objective was to get all the way to the back wall of the store, touch the back wall and get out of the store before anyone greeted you. Now, there were a couple strategies. You could try to be like real sneaky and like slip in and just, you know, dip behind the clothes and the little departments and tuck behind the toys, touch it quietly and try and tiptoe your way on out. Or you could do, do what I tried one time and I was like, maybe if I just go really fast. And so I sprint and get about eight feet in the door, four good strides, and they're like, hey, welcome to the Disney store. <laughs> Dang it. Now, there was no prize if you won. It was just, could you, could you do it? It doesn't have to be the Disney store necessarily. There's, there's not really a retail store that we can walk into today without somebody coming up to us and greeting us with the same stinking question. Even though it's a different store, everybody's asking the same question. Can I help you find something? Can I help you find what you're looking for? What are you looking? How can I direct you today? And most of the time we answer with what? No, thank you. Nah, I'm just looking. Nah, I'm just looking. I'm just trying to dodge any type of social interaction while I privately browse. Or even if we know that there's something specific that we're looking for. Like, yeah, I came to this store because I need this one specific thing. And somebody comes to you and says, can I help you find something? You still, for whatever reason, say, I'm good. I'm going to find it. I got it. You might not have any idea where you're going. You might not have any idea where the heck in the store what you're looking for is or what the best version is or how to get it or how much it's going to cost or how long it's going to take you to find it, install it, and all of that. But still, for some reason, we're just, nah, I'm just looking. How often does this describe our behavior in church? No, thanks. I'm just looking. My goal is to come in here on a Sunday morning, touch the communion tray, and get on out without any interaction whatsoever. Let me take you one step further. How often does this explain our relationship with Jesus? 
No, I'm looking for something real specific. I've actually been looking for it for a very long time. I heard a rumor. Somebody had told me somewhere along the way, word on the street is that this Jesus person can can meet this need. But I'm trying to see if this is true without any type of interaction whatsoever. I heard a rumor that this is where I could go to find peace. But I just want to look. I don't actually want to experience. This morning we begin a brand new series called More Than Consumers. The book of Romans tells us, the apostle Paul writes there that, that, that because God is for us, because God is with us, because God is so powerful that he even conquered death which ain't none of us in here been able to figure out. And because that God is on our side, we should be more than conquerors when it comes to the things of this world. When it comes to the trouble that plagues us, when it comes to the things that the enemies throw our way, rather than quiveling in a corner with fear or anxiety, we should stand firm and say that we are more than a conqueror. But my fear is that as a whole, our faith has gone more so the way of our capitalistic American culture. And we're not even considered, we're not even close to being more than conquerors. As a matter of fact, we're barely more than consumers. We have treated God and his church and our faith like it's retail. We, 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 we're looking for something, but we don't know where to go or what to do, but we sure as heck don't want to be bothered while we try to find it. We are looking for an easy path for comfort and safety to be, to be brought to our doorsteps without us actually having to put any work in before or after we actually just want to take the insurance. We have our own ideas or our own preferences on how we want this thing to be packaged. I want it in a small box. I want it in a big box with lights. I want it to sound like this. I want these notes to be hit. I want this style of packaging. I want want this to be what my box looks like. I don't care if it meets the needs of others. I actually just care that it meets my preferences. We have our own ideas of how it should look. And sometimes I'm afraid we don't even care if it's authentic. Sometimes, sometimes I look around and I'm like, man, we don't even care if it's real. We don't even care if what's delivered to our doorsteps is true. We just care that it sounds good enough, that it's exciting enough, that it tickles my ear, that it fills my little heart with joy and that it makes me feel better. But we don't actually care that it's authentic. These are the things that we want to tackle over the next few weeks. But for today, for today, getting inside the door is enough. Getting inside the door 
Taking a first step towards Jesus is enough for today. If this is your first time with us, I want you to say, don't let me scare you. We're really glad that you're here. We're super glad that you're here. And that by you being here this morning is a big step. And I just want you to know, I ain't going to call you out right now, but I know you're looking for something. I know you are. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to help you and everyone else in the room deal with that persistent greeter in our lives. That persistent little voice that keeps popping up at the most inopportune moment saying, can I help you find something? We're going to deal with that this morning. You can join me in the Bible. You can join me in the Gospel of John this morning. If you have your physical Bibles with you, praise God. I encourage you to open up to the Gospel of John. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So it's the fourth book of the New Testament. We'll be in big chapter, chapter number four. That's indicated by the big number four in your Bibles. And we'll begin with the first verse, which is indicated by the little number one next to the word. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. It'll be right up here on the screen for you. This is John chapter four. We're going to read the first nine verses together for now. And then we'll move on from there. All right. If you got it, say amen. If you're with me, say bless up. up. All right, let's do it. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. Verse 9, the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, "Uh, you're a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan, Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So Jesus had been ministering in Judea. He'd been ministering in the south. Things are going well. Lives are being transformed. People are being baptized. New believers, new disciples, they're being made. But his name gets a little hot in the streets of Judea. The Pharisees who are not particularly fond of Jesus at this point, or any point for that matter, but this point especially, they get word that this stuff is going on and Jesus realized it might be a little hot for me in these streets, so we got some more work to be doing. I can't get killed right now. That's actually later. Oops, I didn't say that. Uh, let's go ahead and let's, let's, let's keep it pushing. Let's move on from this town. And so he decides to go back to Galilee, which is to the north. And the text says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, geographically, this would technically be true. However, it's, it's, it's often noted that Jews and Samaritans, they don't, they, don't, they don't really like each other, right? There's actually big beef there, like big time, like centuries long. And so Jews would, would, would go around Samaria to avoid it. These cats were real, real, real petty, right? So Jews, Jews, they, they wanted their bloodline, they wanted their flesh, they wanted their ancestry and their ethnicity to be pure. 
not to be intermixed with any type of culture, any other type of anything, just Jews for us, thank you. But Samaritan, Samaritan were those, some of which who used to be Jews, but then, but then married and their, and their bloodlines intermingled with other cultures. And so Jews would look at them as if they're impure or unclean just because they didn't keep their ethnicity completely, completely pure from any other culture or influence. I couldn't imagine somebody actually thinking this today. So Jews, so Jews would take the long route. They would go around the long way so as not to cut through that neighborhood. But it says Jesus had to go. The word chosen there to, to, to communicate had to was more of a, a, a divine appointment. What we're meant to understand about Jesus having to go is that Jesus felt compelled by God. It was in God's divine intentions that Jesus feel the need to have to go through Samaria. So while all the people he's traveling with are, let's go around, there's something inside of Jesus that's like, nah, I feel like we should cut through. And everybody else in the car is like, bro, you don't know what that, what's on that street. You don't know what's down that neighborhood. You ain't heard the stories that I heard. You don't know the people that's down there, bro. We got to get on the entrance to the highway and go around this neighborhood. And Jesus is like, no, I need to go through that neighborhood. I couldn't, I can't not go. Have you ever had that feeling where you just couldn't not do something or you couldn't not say something? It like starts in your chest and your heart starts beating fast. It warms your gut a little bit and you're not sure. You might throw up and then it moves up. It moves up to your throat and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm either going to vomit or say something crazy right now. But I, 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 just, I, I just got these jitters and I can't not do something. I can't not say something. That's where Jesus is at. God is pulling at Jesus's heart and he's like, you gotta go. And he's like, man, okay, all my people don't wanna go, but I gotta go. I feel compelled to go through there. And then on top of that, as he cuts through Samaria, he gets tired, he rests at a well and he sees a Samaritan woman walking towards the well. Now, there's multiple reasons Jesus shouldn't be talking to this woman. A, he's a man, she's a woman. That's weird. B, he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. That's weird. And C, this awkward moment where somebody decides the hottest time of the day to go to the well, a.k.a. she don't really have many friends or at the very least is trying to avoid everybody else. So she's sneaking off to the well where she know ain't nobody else going to be there. So I'm trying to not run into anybody today. Here I go to the well by myself so I can stay by myself and not be subject to any ridicule or anyone subtweeting. But oh my goodness, there's, 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 there's a Jew guy right there. And Jesus even furthermore decides to initiate conversation. You ever be walking past somebody and you're not really sure? You're not really sure if you're going to say hi or not. So you just kind of like do one of these, but then they're like, hey, like she's trying to avoid interaction at all costs. Jesus initiates. Jesus couldn't not have this conversation. Yeah, it's going to be awkward. Yeah, it's going to be weird. But, 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 but there was something in him that couldn't let him let it go. How many of you know, how many of you in here need to hear this morning that Jesus couldn't not go to you? 
Jesus couldn't help himself. He couldn't not go to you. When the, when, the, when the God who created you sees you, he can't help himself. He wants to go to you. He is drawn to you. He wants to be a part of you. He wants to reach out to you. Jesus is compelled to reach you. He can't not. He wants so badly to be a part of your life. And he's not obligated by Walmart to greet you and give you a sticker as you walk by. He feels it in his heart. He like actually wants to help you find what you're looking for. Jesus would go through crazy neighborhoods to meet you. Jesus would, 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 would cross cultural boundaries to get to you. Jesus would cross societal bounds to get to you. Jesus would initiate the also feared awkward conversation to get to you. He can't help it. He won't stop. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that Christians haven't given you that same impression. We're working on them. But Jesus absolutely feels compelled to reach out to you. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. This is where it gets good. So interesting. Jesus, Samaritan woman, have an awkward conversation. Loki just cuts right to the chase. He says, hey, can I have a drink? She's like, uh, why are you talking to me? He's like, girl, let me tell you something. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're talking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, she don't get it. You don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well's crazy deep, bro. Where you think you about to find this water? And besides, are you trying to say you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? There's his name on a plaque right there on the side. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water is about to be thirsty again. It's hot. But those who drink the water I give ain't never going to be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. She's catching on a little bit at this point, and she says, please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. She's still talking about the physical. She don't completely get it yet. Jesus says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. It gets real serious. Jesus says, I know. You don't have a husband. You've had five. Five have left you. Five have promised you things. Five have, given, have tried to give you the world. Five have wanted to make you a queen. And five have given up. Five have decided you were not worthy to stick with them. The maximum number is supposed to be three, yet yours keeps going. Five people have abandoned you that you put your hope in. And the guy that you're currently with, that's not your husband. You spoke the truth. 
You've given up on finding a husband. You don't even care about marriage no more because that always ends badly. You're just looking for the benefits of marriage because at the very least, maybe that'll make you feel better. But he's like, it ain't gonna. That's how real that just got. Jesus says, man, if you only knew who you were talking to, if you only knew who I was, man, you should be asking me. But guess what? I'd give it to you. I would give you what you're looking for. And she doesn't get it. She looks at his hands. She's like, man, you're some, you're some Jewish boy from the, from, from the farm town out here talking about getting water. You don't even have the tools and the equipment. How do you think you're going to get water? And Jacob got water out here. Do you even know how great Jacob was? How often do we do this with God? God says, I will give you what you need. We're out here looking for something so specific that we need. We're out here looking, and God says, I will give it to you, and you just back up and fold your arms like, where are your credentials to do such a thing? I don't see your psychiatry degree. What can you prescribe me? No, 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 no. What, 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 medical, school, what medical school did you graduate from talking about you going to heal me? Oh, you're Dr. Phil now? You're going to heal my marriage now? Oh, okay. And we barter. How can you be greater than these man-made traditions? Man, we've been through all the books and ain't nothing worked for us. How do you think you're going to help me? And Jesus is like, you don't even know. You don't even know who I am. Man, but what about, you mean to tell me I'm supposed to just trust some figure in the sky? You mean to tell me that that's supposed to be better than, and Jesus is like, I got water. She's like, I know it's water right there. He's like, no, 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 no. I got water, water. I got that water, water. I got that water that's so water, you ain't going to need water no more. It's water. And see, and see this water right here, this water eventually is deep. I see that. Yeah, I see it. It's deep down there. But eventually this water is about to run out. This water is going to be empty. This water might make you, make me, make you okay till about 3 o'clock, but when you come back and it's empty, you're going to be salty and out of luck. But this water over here, this water over here is a spring. See, it comes from what I've created. See, this, it's this eternal thing, and it wells up inside of you, and, 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 and your thirst is quenched. And then this crazy thing happens where it like spurts out your mouth for other people to drink too. This is eternal. This ain't running out. It's that water, water. And what we can, we can take from their interaction is that she doesn't get it, right? She doesn't get it. She's talking about her physical needs being met. Jesus is talking about something that's much deeper than that. Jesus is talking about a spiritual need. But, 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 does she get it? No. Is she young in her faith? Basically an infant. But she's willing to receive. She's willing to receive even though she doesn't quite understand. Jesus adds that he's got even extra insight into her life. Oh, you're still on the fence about trusting me? Let me say, you never met me before, but I know how many people have left you. I know how many people have hurt you. I know the things that you have done and the things that have been done to you. And, and, and I've got water for that too. And whether she fully grasped what he's saying or not, 
almost doesn't matter. She was at the very least willing to receive it. Are you willing to receive what Jesus has to offer, even if you don't fully understand it? I know you're looking for something. We all are. I know you have physical need. I know you have these needs that you are in here this morning looking for God to meet. But are you actually willing to receive it the way that he wants to give it? Are you willing to receive what we know is that we're restless and we're looking for something. And then there's this guy who comes peacefully to help us find hope and meaning. And then we know that when there's an encounter with this person, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. Are you ready to find what you've been looking for? Are you ready for Jesus to quench your thirst? I see you out here late night. I see you out here during the week when service ain't going on. I see you on social media. I see the things that are happening around you. I see what's going on in the city. I read the news too. Are you ready to find what we've been looking for? Do you want to find a place, albeit a spiritual place, of hope and peace where you'll never have to go searching again? Then look how this, how this interaction uh, finishes up. Verse 25, drop down a little bit. Verse 25. The woman said, yeah, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called the Christ. And when he comes, you know, because I don't get it really, uh, he'll explain everything to us. Jesus says, I am the Messiah. I've just explained it to you. This is how it works. Drop down to verse 28. Look at her response. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village. Remember that village she was trying to avoid all the people in? Remember that water she was just trying to get like two minutes ago at the start of this story? She leaves, she leaves the water jar by the well. She runs back to the people she's trying to avoid. And she tells everyone, come and see. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Jesus reveals that he is the answer. That he is what you've been looking for. That it doesn't matter what intricate little detail your need has, he's got the solution. And the woman drops her jar for water and runs to the people in town that she was trying to avoid. It's so interesting to me. It's so interesting to me that when she had an encounter with Jesus and he gave her something, she immediately left her physical needs behind because what she had received was a spiritual need she didn't even know was there. Wow. It's interesting that when her spiritual needs were met, she forgot about the physical need. It's interesting that when she has an encounter with Jesus, suddenly the sociological boundaries that she felt before so deeply Deeply enough that she would avoid everyone by going to the well at the hottest time of the day. Those things that she felt so deeply no longer mattered. Then she conquered everyone's biggest fear and she spoke publicly for all people to hear like, y'all got to come see this. And could you imagine the crowd? Like, hold up, ain't you? She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to that later. But you have to come see 
this. And everybody comes out to come and see. I think it's also quickly worth noting that Jesus also put his own physical needs uh, to the side at the well. Remember it said he sat down at the well because he was tired. He was thirsty. But he knew that reaching out and telling this woman some good news was more important. Was he looking for a drink? Yep. Was he trying to catch that 20-minute power nap? Probably. But sharing the good news was so important that he's like, all right, put that aside for a second. You, come here. You got to hear this. Both of them had needs. But both of them ran to tell people to come and see instead. Come and see. That was the invitation. Come and see. Nothing else mattered. The woman at the well wanted everyone to come see. We don't know where her faith is. She's certainly no apostle, but she invites everyone to come see. Are you sharing in that same excitement? Does your life reflect that you also share in this excitement for other people around you to come and see? I'm not talking about the church. We got to be clear about that. If you don't hear anything else that I'm saying, hear what I'm about to say. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about Jesus. The point is not coming to the church and getting your punch card. The point is coming to see Jesus. The point is coming to meet Jesus. More so, we need to come and see Jesus and then be so eagerly listening for where would you have me go and who would you have me pick up along the way? That's the church. That's the church. Are you inviting people to come and see Jesus the way that you've experienced him? The way that he's made a difference in your life? Are you inviting people to come and see Jesus? For a Samaritan village to come to know the Savior, it took crossing cultural and social bounds. It took a bold invitation, and it took the faith of a curious woman. Allow me to ask you in closing, what will it take to reach our city? What will it take? There are things happening all over this building, all over your campus, all over this city that consists of people living in a way that offers an invitation for all to come and see. My encouragement to you this morning is to find something and go be a part of it. If you see a need, if you see a gap, go fill it. My encouragement to you this morning is to activate your faith beyond being a consumer that is just browsing Activate your faith in a way that you are inviting people to come and see Jesus. There are people here who would love to talk to you about how to make that happen. And after service, I can point them out to you and we'll, and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get the conversation started. But we have got to begin with a sense of urgency to see people come and know Jesus. Come and know Jesus and watch how he transforms your life. And then be ready 
to follow in his footsteps and cross all boundaries to offer this free invitation to people. Jesus is compelled to go to you. Jesus can't not go to you. Do you have that same patience and attitude towards other people? Jesus has got what we're looking for. Are you willing to receive it? And then have you been compelled to live a life that offers the invitation that's repeated all throughout John? Come and see. Let's no longer be consumers. Let's come and see Jesus. Let's no longer invite people to buy in on an early, on an early startup. Third Street ain't no Kickstarter. Come and see Jesus.